All right, well, welcome to RUF. Uh, One of the things we say every week is that you're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Uh, That RUF exists here at Tech for all students. Um, So those who long to know Jesus and grow in their faith, and those who are skeptical about the truth claims of the Bible and are seeking to know more about what Christianity is. Uh, It's for those who serve the church, and it's for those who are burnt out by the church, uh, maybe even hurt by the church. It's for those who are really doing well, uh, and it's for those who aren't doing so well, maybe even really struggling. Uh, If you're here tonight, RUF is for you. Uh, That one thing we strive to do here is be a safe place for all of you to come, to gather, uh, and to explore with one another what the Bible says, and to experience Jesus together. Uh, So I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad you've joined us. Um, So if you're just coming for the first time tonight, uh, we've been going through the book of Ephesians this whole semester, uh, and this was a letter written by the Apostle Paul in uh, like 2,000 years ago, and it still speaks to us today, uh, to a group of people it was written to, a church in Ephesus in Asia Minor. And one of the major themes uh, of Ephesians is that the gospel impacts every area of our lives. Uh, that Paul says that part of God's plan was to unite all things in Jesus. And so we are nearing the end of this book. We're in chapter 6. And tonight we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Talking about family and work. Um, So during the final couple weeks of the NFL season this past year, the season sort of just paused for a moment. And the reason was because one of the players, DeMar Hamlin, of the Buffalo Bills, died on the field. His heart stopped. And so team doctors rushed out there and revived him on the field. Uh, but naturally, the whole league just went into flux. Like they were, they were shutting down everything. Like the game stopped. Players were weeping on the sidelines. They were hugging each other, praying. Um, everywhere on the news was just following how DeMar was doing, how his recovery was going. Uh, and thankfully, he recovered. He's okay. I think he's going to actually continue playing. <laughs> Um, but I found it interesting just all the different ways that this was talked about, this one event was talked about. Uh, and Robert Griffin III, you all remember that guy? You know, uh, famous quarterback at Baylor. Ugh, Baylor. Ugh. Uh, so he said this whenever this happened. If there's one thing that DeMar Hamlin's situation has shown, it's how tragedies brings us together and we pray. Regardless of race, regardless of religion, and regardless of belief. And this is interesting because the things that we often like privatize, keep to ourselves, not really talk about, um, you know, our religion and belief, it creeped in in a very universal way during this time (laughs) where everybody was just talking about that, talking about what do we do during this time when we're helpless uh, and I also think it's interesting that the emphasis on prayer was given uh, regardless of who they were praying to. Um, there was a call to be spiritual regardless of whether that person even believed in Jesus. 
And one of the things we're looking at in Ephesians is that Christianity is not just something that you do in your private time. Um, that it, it's something that affects every aspect of your life. That RG3's quote there was introducing this idea that we can't just live in such a way that our religion is just this extracurricular activity. Just something we keep to ourselves. That we, it, it comes into our lives and it actually encapsulates everything we do. Uh, especially during times of tragedy. And so sometimes I think we often define what being a good Christian is is really just how many Christian books you've read. You know, how many good Christian books you read in your free time. Or how much quiet time do you spend reading the Bible and praying. Or how often do you go to church every month. But understand that if Christianity is true, it changes everything you do. From the minute you wake up to the minute you lay down to even while you're sleeping. It affects your entire life. And so how do you interact with your roommate, for instance? How do you date? What jobs slash major do you pursue? How do you relate to your parents? How do you treat your siblings? How do you interact with your coworkers or employers? How do you go about life when you're depressed or anxious? All of that is greatly affected by what you believe. And what you believe about Jesus. Uh, So today we're going to be looking uh, more about these things, especially in regards to family and work. And what I hope you will see is that God, he greatly speaks into uh, the mundane, day-to-day things, day-to-day activities of our lives. So let's read together Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. And I'm realizing I actually didn't even get a bulletin, so I don't have the thing. Did I grab one? Uh, And did y'all notice? The bulletin is right side up. Did anybody get one that was upside down? Okay. I fought with the printer for about 30 minutes, and I decided to keep one of those that printed wrong. Evan, you did it? All right. You win. You win the prize. I will tell you after, but it's the key to my heart. Um, All right. Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, we thank you for just a place that we can all gather together, that we can see each other in the midst of our week. Uh, And we thank you for just a space that we can study your word, study you, study uh, what it is that you say to us. I pray that you will speak to us tonight, that um, you will uh, shape our hearts and our minds, 
and uh, make us into people uh, that long to look like you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Here you go, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, So three things I want us to look at in regards to this passage. I want us to see the simplicity of the Christian message, number one, the complexity of the Christian life, and the motivation for the Christian walk. Um, And so just to give a disclaimer too, I leaned heavily into an old pastor, uh, old RUF campus minister for this. Uh, His name's Les Newsom. Uh, He's now a pastor in Oxford, Mississippi, used to be at Ole Miss uh, at RUF. And uh, so, you know, never think that I'm just overly clever or anything like that. Often I glean from the wisdom of other people. Um, Y'all probably didn't think I was overly clever. I don't even know why I would think that. Um, But yeah, so number one, let's look at the simplicity of the Christian message. Um, So what I mean by the simplicity of the Christian message, when you look at Ephesians 6, um, in particular, we have first four, four verses here about children and parents. And keep in mind, Paul, he's writing to people in the first century, to families in the first century, and they're going through all kinds of crazy problems. Uh, You know, families are hearing the message of Jesus, and one family member is turning to Jesus, and the other is still worshiping other gods and in the midst of other cults. Um, You know, you have families that uh, have multiple beliefs running through them, doing multiple things, family systems that are just riddled with messed up dynamics and brokenness and sinful patterns, which really, if you think about it, um, I think we can all relate to that, right? Like I often hear way more of the ways family and parental relationships have hurt you, (laughs) have hurt us. Uh, Like you're not alone. I've I've been there, still go through that. And yet Paul here, most certainly knowing all of this, Um, He gives you four verses, just four verses, uh, to children and to parents. Basically, children, obey your parents. You know, follow the commandment of God to honor your father and mother. And parents or fathers in this verse, don't provoke your children. Raise them to know the Lord. Uh, That's it. You know, it's almost frustrating that Paul doesn't flesh out more for us. Um, Like Paul. You know, don't you understand this particular situation? Or uh, what about when this happens? Or did you know that this happened to me, Paul? Like, what about that? Now, why is that? Why does he just basically just lay it out in simple terms here? Uh, Because I think Paul understands the simplicity of what the message is. He understands that uh, mainly what he focuses on is the guiding principle that you are not your own, but you are Christ's. He bought you, and his life, death, and resurrection prove that. Therefore, how does this affect all the details of your life? That one of the unique aspects to Christianity is that it's not just this long list of rules and instructions to follow. Sometimes we think like that, that uh, that just give me what what my task list is. Uh, Growing up, I heard this phrase about the Bible that um, it's God's little instruction booklet. I don't know if y'all have heard that. Or uh, other phrases like B-I-B-L-E, um, basic instructions before leaving earth. Y'all ever heard that? Okay. Um, both of those concepts are nothing like the Bible, <laughs> actually. 
Like the Bible, here's the Bible. It's a story of a God who doesn't turn his back on you and loves you with a forever love through his son, Jesus Christ. It's the truth about the way the world is and the way the world is supposed to be. That the Bible gives us a worldview rather than just a list of tasks and a list of instructions. That if you read some of the other religious texts, even sacred texts, that it's almost the opposite, like the Quran or the Hindavidas or uh, the Jewish Mishnah, that primarily their emphasis is like, what are, what are the tasks that you got to do in order to, for God to be pleased with you, in order for God to love you, in order to achieve whatever this other purpose is? Um, but the Christian message is simple. It is. It's basically Jesus. You're broken. You experienced it. You experience it. And Jesus loves you. And he has redeemed you. And he is restoring the world back to its original design. And, he's, and God is making all things new. So therefore, live like that's true. Because it is. And I think often, uh, for you guys especially, for for college students. I mean, one of the reasons it becomes so complicated for you is because you primarily want those, what those other religions actually give. Like you want your checklist. Like, just tell me what to do. Um, you want your specific tasks that you can accomplish. You want, um, you know, whatever it is, rather than meditating on the truth of the gospel, the simple message and how it impacts you. And then critically evaluating everything you do in life based on that, like fleshing it out in your day-to-day primary mundane tasks on a regular basis. It's why some of you wrestle so much with decisions, you know, wanting that personal, individual revelation from God almost. Like, just tell me, you know? Um, Here's an example of that. The God card. In a breakup. Have y'all ever gotten that? Have y'all ever given that? Maybe. Um, but essentially, here's this. It, it's this revelation from God that, you know, it's not me. It's not even you. It's God telling me to break up with you. Um, now, don't hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Like God's spirit may very well be leading you to pursue a different relationship. Um, His spirit may be guiding you in making some very hard personal decisions in your life. That's really important. But it's based on the simple message that everyone gets that we read in scripture. (laughs) Like not some special message that only you have gotten from God. It's easy for us to place responsibility and blame on God or other things Rather than, hey, I've been meditating on just the truth of God's word. And I, I just feel like it, it, it's causing me to want to pursue different things. Want to walk in a different path. Want, want different wisdom. I, I want to walk in wisdom in my life. And that changes things, right? Uh, so in Galatians 2, for instance, Paul rebukes another church leader, Peter. Uh, and he confronts his racism towards those who aren't Jew- of Jewish descent at that time. 
And here's what, here's what Paul says. I confronted him to his face because his conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So what's he saying? He's saying that the simple revealed truth of the gospel, the gospel message, it gives Peter a boundary and a line that he's supposed to be in step with. It's not from Paul's, some secret message that Paul has to give to Peter, you know, or, or some subjective feeling that Peter should listen to. No, it's the, it's the truth of the Christian message that reshapes him. That as Christians, you don't have to anxiously just try to decipher every single little feeling you have with whether it's like some special revelation that you're getting from God. You have it in his word. He's given you that in the gospel. So therefore, every day, you work it out. You work out the day-to-day mundane life, the mundane tax that you have. Now, this is not to say that these decisions and these tasks and these day-to-day things you do are not complex or not hard. Uh, I mean, it's actually why God gives us community. It's why pastors are here. It's why people teach us, you know, uh, like how do we flesh out this message in our lives? That sometimes it's hard to figure out how we're to live in light of the message of the gospel. And so number two, the complexity of the Christian life that often there's many decisions we make and many different ways we spend our day with many different outcomes. And it makes things feel really complex, right? So what are these principles that are guiding us here and how does that change how we interact and think? And so that's what Paul does here in in chapter six. He gives us some wisdom in some of the ways we flesh this out. We flesh out the simple Christian message and he, and he particularly hones in on children, parents, and work. And so briefly, I just want to look at that. Like, how does this look as children? We're all children here of parents. You might not be actual children, but you're children of parents. Uh, and Paul says children. Most likely, Paul is referring to children in the household, little children who still live with their parents. And he says, obey them. He quotes the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, here's some of the complexity behind this. Even though we honor our parents, sometimes our parents aren't very honorable. That we relate to our parents differently at different stages of life. And one of the reasons God gives us parents is for actually to prepare us to one day leave them, to mature. That it's honoring to our parents when we are little children to live under their house, to follow specific roles and tasks that they give us. But it's not necessarily honoring to them if later on in your life you're still being manipulated or you're forced to fulfill every single little task and idea that they have for you. That one of the ways you honor them is actually becoming your own. And by walking with responsibility. And purpose that God has given you. For instance, my dad, he has not been present in my life for two decades. So right around when I was 10 years old. Like I rarely talk with him. I've rarely interacted with him during the span of 24 years. Uh, Now what does giving my dad honor look like? 
How do I honor him? Well, here's what I do. I strive every day to be involved in my kids' lives, no matter the cost of my own good. I play with them. I wrestle with them. I work to learn how my anger affects them, how my lack of patience hurts them. I'm also not saying I do this perfectly, so please don't hear that. But this honors my dad. It means I'm unwilling to allow for him to set the poor pattern. I work to reset the way a dad interacts with his kids. And if I see him in heaven one day, and I hope I do, I hope that I'm able to hug him and say, Dad, I honored you. Because I refuse to let any of those sinful patterns continue to enter in your grandkids' lives. And so for each of you learning to honor your mother and father, it might look different. You know, it it may mean looking at them as human beings who are limited and who need growth and maturity, just like we all do, and giving them the benefit of the doubt that they are people doing the best they can. Uh, It may mean learning how to walk in forgiveness towards them and dealing with some of the anger that you have. That ultimately a lack of forgiveness means that uh, maybe they're influencing you even more (laughs) by all the ways that you're continuing to walk in anger and resentment. It could also mean you move towards establishing more independence as a college student. That you're striving to learn how do I go about life with financial responsibility? How do I make better decisions? That's honoring to them. Maybe there's certain boundaries that you have to set up as an adult uh, to honor them, to honor the relationship. So whatever it is, um, you understand the simplicity of the Christian message, but you flesh it out. You critically understand, like, what are the decisions I make? How do I walk in wisdom here? But Paul also gives wisdom for parents. And I won't spend too much time on this because none of y'all are parents yet. Uh, But ultimately, what's the principle Paul is establishing here? That parents are to be safe place for their children. That they are to be a place that they aren't antagonized, but rather disciplined in love. Shown the love of Jesus towards. So they did a poll on D1 athletes uh, a while back about their relationship with their fathers. And the number one influencer um, that these kids gave the motivation to pursue the excellence in their sports was surprisingly not the amount of training that their parents enforced or even the advice that they gave them to after a game or even the commitment and like support they had for their sports career. That the number one thing that motivated a player was that when after whatever game or whatever practice, good or bad, their parent looked at them and said, man, I love watching you play. I love watching you play. And I think that as parents, the best that can be done for a child is for them to constantly understand that you delight in them. You just love watching them play. You want to see them. You want to be with them. So finally, Paul says, bond servants, obey your your masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart and masters do the same to them and stop your threatening. 
Now, it's easy to get hung up here on the language of slaves and masters, and a lot of people do, and I don't want to avoid that. But please know that Paul is not endorsing slavery here. I mean, he's not condemning it. He's not enforcing it. What he's doing is he's speaking to a people in a certain context, and one that had this particular way of life that was already ingrained in their culture. And he's speaking into it. How do you live in this culture? And actually the ESV translates here slaves here as uh, bond servants. And I think that's a better translation because it was, it was way more of an indentured servanthood rather than the heinous slave trade industry that we think about when we think of slaves the ugly part of American history. But again, what is the principle here? This is why Paul is not endorsing that. Here's the principle. Every person is a human being created in God's image, and therefore every person deserves dignity and respect, whether that's an employee toward their boss or as a boss towards the employee. That ultimately Paul is saying here that for one Work matters, which is actually pretty, uh, you know, significant during this time. That uh, during this time, religions, in the Ephesians context, they assumed work was a necessary evil. God mandated work in Genesis 2, before the fall of man in Genesis 3. Work is a good thing, even though it can be painful and hard now. But Paul is saying that the way you work matters. The way you treat those you work with. It matters that even in our mundane work lives, what you do as a student, it's accomplishing something. It's shaping you to be how, how to glorify God in all that you're doing, in the way that you treat other coworkers, in the way you treat other students. I actually like to tell people that uh, one of the greatest ministry trainings for me uh, was not seminary, although seminary was good. And it was important, but it was actually the four years that I worked retail after college because during that time, God taught me that what it really meant to serve someone, that regardless of who came into that door, regardless of who it was, regardless of how I was treated, that my purpose was to learn about them, to understand how to assess their needs, to meet them and serve them. To love them. And so it, 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 God used every detail of that to continue to train me. And so finally, I'll close with this. What is the motivation for the Christian walk? And notice after every single one of these commands, Paul says things like, in the Lord, of the Lord, as you would Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. As to the Lord, from the Lord, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. Paul is giving our ultimate motivation for anything. That these principles shape us into people from our motivation in everything that we do. With an understanding that God is seeing. And everything we are doing is not necessarily just for the person in front of us. Or just reacting to how we're being treated. But rather from the motivation that we have a God who loves us. 
who delights in us as a faithful parent who just loves watching you play, who recognizes you as his child, who is your ultimate master and good shepherd, who leads you into paths of righteousness and comfort. Whatever you do, do it all with the motivation that you are loved and known, not always by the person in front of you, not always treated well by whoever you're around, but by the ultimate audience of one who knows everything about you and longs for you to grow into the person that he's created you to be. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for um, just being a good father who longs to change us, longs to grow us, and who uses every single detail of our lives. So I pray that you would um, use uh, just your truth, the understanding of what you have done in history, how you are at work now, um, just what Jesus has accomplished. I pray that that would change us and grow us and uh, give us the resources to be able to walk in this life with the ultimate, ultimate motivation that you are for us and you see us and you know us and you love us. It's in Christ's name. Amen.